In Habakkuk 2 verse 14, the prophet by the Holy Spirit gave prophecies that are very relevant to the times we live in today. The evils and darkness covering the earth makes it seem like there is no hope but actually there is hope. Where lies hope? Hope lies in the knowledge of the glory of God which is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Things are bound to change when Jesus is revealed and known by many. Through the platform of Pluru, God's servant Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna reveals Jesus in his teachings. Be blessed as you listen to this series, Understanding the Finished Work of Christ. The spirit of adoption, and that's why the spirit of adoption makes us know, know uh, our rights in Christ, it makes us know authority in Christ, and uh, we are studying for them, and now we have uh, our rights in Christ. And when I said our rights in Christ, basically, reveals to us our responsibilities. We understood that um, the claiming of rights is on the grounds of responsibilities, and rights are actually responsibilities that we have to carry out so we can actually take the benefits that uh, are to them. Are we together? Yeah, so without understanding of responsibility, we cannot understand the benefits of, of rights. Amen to Jesus. Uh, one of the challenges we have to do is irresponsible folks who are looking for rights. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, so the, the, the worst that can happen to a society is to raise irresponsible folks and make them believe that they have rights to be responsible. That's the worst that can happen to a society. I, I remember I'm really the, 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 the father of Dubai, and he says something. He said, In the time of our fathers, we walked on, they walked on camel, they, 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 they walked on their, on their foot, and then the, the next generation came, walked on camels, and the next generation came, and they started driving cars. He said, And the next generation came, we, the next generation we give birth to, they are now flying planes. He said, This generation, we give birth to that generation, and we start walking on their foot again. He said, because we have raised up a lazy generation that does not know where they came from and what their father suffered to bring them to where they are. Yeah. So, so the end result of their irresponsibility, I quote, uh, is that they will go on to where they, what their father suffered. Are you not saying? Yeah. They will go on foot again. And that's what the father of the was saying. That's what the father of the was saying. Because he has understood things. And what we are doing by the day is that if you look at nations that are that are funding irresponsibility, you discover that it is costing them a lot. You can't fund irresponsibility and it's not cost you. If people must seek their rights, they must be responsible. And we are having a generation of Christians who are seeking the benefits accrued to their rights, but they want to be irresponsible and it's not helping us. I'm telling you, it's not helping the church. And the church is suffering for that. That's why I have people who are on the 24-7 on the phone booth calling God. And what are they calling God for? My husband, my wife, my children, my money, my car. And they say, after all, your word says, ask and it shall be given unto us. But they know there is a way of asking that you don't need to talk and you ask. Are you get what I'm saying? Now, what about you? Know that when you do very well as a child, academically, what happens? Your father will buy something that you need for you. Is that also? Some other times, when you also do well in the home chores, what happens? Your father just goes out and he buys something, buys a gift for you. Is that not so? You didn't ask for that gift, but he gave to you. Why? Because you are, you, are, you are carrying out responsibility. You are being responsible. So what responsibility does for us is that it makes us act without vocalizing our request. Are we together? It makes us act without vocalizing our request. That's what responsibility does for us. 
And God is eager to bless. In fact, he has already blessed. And he's eager to bless us the more. But it's all bent on how responsible we are. Praise God. Because God is not going to give us what will destroy us. Amen. Alright, so we understood that our first responsibility is to love God first and then love our ourselves next. And it's on the basis on which we love God and love ourselves that we can love others. We understood that we love God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That is what we love Him with all we are, love Him with all we think, and love Him with all we do. Amen. Then we discover that when we love God in this manner, He becomes our first love, amen, to Jesus. Amen. Now, also then, it's important to love God first and not love self next, amen. amen. It's important to love God first and not love self next. Praise God forevermore. Now, we also understand this kind of love is what makes men love God their life up to death, amen, to Jesus. Amen. Okay, Holy Spirit, we ask for revelation today in the name of Jesus, amen. And now, um, the above, if you see uh, verse 40, Above, let's go to verse 40 above. It says, Let's go by the same scripture again. Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, 36 to 40. It says, Master, which is the greatest command, great commandment in the Lord? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the Prophet, sweet Holy Spirit, grant us revelation into your heart, world in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. So, verse 40 says, On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. So, we can understand from this 40th verse that love for God and man are the two rules all the law and the prophets are based on. Are we together? Yes. So, love for God and love for yourself are the two rules on which the prophets and the law are based on. So the Old Testament is broken into the prophets, the, uh, the law, the law, the prophets, and the what? Writings. Amen. And the writings. The law, the prophets, and the writings. The writings are, are like uh, Songs of Solomon, Proverbs, and that's the poetic writings. Amen. But a um, large percentage is what? The law and the prophets. And the Bible says that the, the, uh, the love for God and love for man is the, um, are the two rules on which the law and the prophets are based on. So it's the foundation for the law and the prophets. Without the law and the prophets, without love for God and love for man, the law and the prophets have no base on which to stand. Now, and for those who always say that Jesus has a fulfilled law, and so there is nothing useful in the Old Testament again. And because the way most of them talk about it is really appalling. There's nothing useful in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is totally abolished and thrown away. I believe that some of those people they should be carrying this New Testament Bible, Gideon's Bible. Should be carrying, no, they, what they will carry, they will carry Bible that starts from Acts. Because they don't say much more than John is Old Testament. So they start carrying Bible that starts from Acts. Amen. And um, when they read to the point, they discover that even Paul was reading from the Old Testament. And Jesus read from the Old Testament also. Um, so um, if you say it's of no use, uh, it means that your Bible has no basis. Why do I say so? Christianity, let me use the word, finds its root from Judaism. Uh, the Old Testament is the New Testament conceived, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. If 
it is not concealed, it cannot be revealed. Are you getting what I'm saying? If it is not concealed, it cannot be revealed. The only reason for revelation is that it has to be first concealed. So if it is not concealed, it cannot be revealed. Something that does not exist does not exist. Is that not so? Yes. You can only reveal something that exists. And you can only uncover something that has been covered. If nothing is covered, you cannot cover it. The New Testament is the uncovering of the Old Testament. So it means that the existence of the New Testament is actually in the Old Testament when we conceive manna. So if you say the Old Testament is Judas, it means that the New Testament does not even exist. <laughs> because the New Testament is the, the Old Testament is the proof that the New Testament actually exists. Without the Old Testament, there is no proof that there is a New Testament. Yeah. I hear what I'm saying. Yes. But the death of the old does not mean that it was not fruitful for the birth of the new. Without the old, there will be no new. Now, so the law and the prophets are very important. This was what Jesus was trying to help us understand in the Mount of Transfiguration. When Moses, who symbolizes the law, and Elijah, who symbolizes the, symbolizes the prophet, appeared to him, it was a full expression the law, the prophet, and grace. Making us understand that there's a transition from the law and the prophets to grace. But it doesn't do what terminates the law and the prophets. Even grace needed the law and the prophets on the mount before he would go to Calvary. I get what I'm saying. So we still need the law and the prophets. And so we see that law for God and law for man are the two rules, and uh, are the two rules all the law and the prophets are based on. The law for God and law for man is the foundation, the pedestal for the prophets and the law. Amen. I also understand that all things that the prophets taught about God and these two laws are we together. Law for God and law for man. All things that the prophets taught about God, they are in these two laws. Go to the prophets. All that they taught about God, they are in these two laws. If you go through the Ten Commandments, um, Exodus chapter 20, you discover that it is actually broken into two. It's basically based on relationship. And relationship is broken into two. Relationship between man and God, and between man and man, the Lord and God, that shall have God beside me, not man and God. That shall not convert their neighbor's property, man and man. Are you what I'm saying? So, the law, the law is premise on love. Are you what I'm saying? And love for God and love for man. If you remove law, first of all, those of us that are New Testament people, I believe we believe that first of all, about any New Testament is also. Those that say New Testament is only what we use, New Testament has been abolished. And what we believe, they believe first Corinthians about 13. It says, if I say, if, 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 if I speak with the tongues of men on the tongue of angel, and I have no love, I'm like a what? Clashing word, simple. So we see Apostle Paul speaking about what? Love, again, love is patient, love is kind, and everything. What Apostle Paul was in the first Corinthians 13 was, he was amplifying and simplifying Exodus about 20. And you get what I'm saying? It was amplifying and simplifying first Corinthians chapter 20. Just like if you want to understand wisdom, practical operations of wisdom, just take Proverbs, that's all. Take Proverbs. And you know what I'm saying? Proverbs breaks down wisdom into practical capsules that can be digested. That's what Proverbs does. If you hear the word wisdom, wisdom, Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. It looks ambiguous. It looks 
compound. Are you getting what I'm saying? You want to understand the wisdom and the power of God in little bits so that you can digest it into your system. Take the book of Proverbs, start reading it, reading it, studying it. You will understand wisdom in simple councils. Same way, Paul took Exodus uh, 20 and broke it down for us to be able to understand. Love for God, love for man, love is patient. That is about the patient with God. And I must be patient with man. Love is kind. I must be kind to God. Some of us are not kind to God. And I must be kind to man. That's all. And it goes on like that. And you know what I'm saying? Alright. Number three, all the law, all the law and prophets depend on these two commandments. All the law and the prophet depend on these two commandments. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, we must understand that the law and the prophets were very important. That is why they appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. Transfiguration, transfiguration the Mount of Transfiguration was a mount where there was a change of party. Are you getting what I'm saying? It was a mount where there was a change of party. Party was changing from the law and prophet to grace. Are you getting it? And it was important that proper handover was given. When somebody is taking over a job, what will they do? They ask the one who was there before to do what? Handover. If you don't do proper handover, the one who is taking over the job will have a lot of what? Challenges. You will have a lot of challenges. You will have a lot of challenges. Because you have to start for when an environmental person has to finish jobs and you don't know, especially when you have to do things like financial accounting. When you are teaching an, 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 a, a company, a firm, and then there was some information that were important that you do not have, that the person was doing beforehand, you discover that you may have to start calling the person back, or you may have to start going back to the organization that you are teaching to get some information. What if the information is not available and every of that, then it becomes tedious. That's why when people are not happy with you that they are handing over to you, they, they don't handle over. They just leave. And they allow you to come and enter the mess. So on Mount of Transfiguration, there was a handover. Because the handover was important for grace to be able to effectively carry out the duties and the responsibilities of the law and the prophets. Are you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why the law and the prophets are very important, even to grace. So for you to even understand the beauty of grace, you need to you need to understand the law and the prophets. For you to understand what grace is doing for us, you need to understand what the Lord and the prophet did for them then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And some of us are, let me use the word, we are not appreciating the grace of God. The grace of God is not a license to live the way we want. It's an ahead to love God. Why? Because if you understand the law and the prophets, you appreciate grace. That's how we need to teach it more so that we can, we can, we can, Compare it with grace, but I will know what we are enjoying. Are you getting it? Yeah. You know what we are enjoying? I, I was telling my, my son yesterday, like, every time I buy toys for you, you just vandalize them, you just scatter. And he is like, he's, he's an engineer. He removes the tire of the car, removes the chair. You see, you see, studying the toy to know how to, dis to, to, to dismantle it. And I'm like, when I was your age, I was crying, I was asking for toys. My parents didn't buy me toys. I was asking for toys. They didn't buy me toys. They didn't buy me. In fact, the accident I had at the age of 11 that almost had me, that I had almost had, amen, well, it was a result of toys too. 
I was a toy freak, but they didn't give me toys. But here you are. You are not asking me, I'm buying you and you're vandalizing them. Don't worry, when you start saying that, I won't buy you again. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Well, you don't understand what I went through. You don't understand the Lord, the prophets. That's why he's messing up the toys. But if you understand the Lord, the prophets, we appreciate the toys. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that was happening to the church today. We don't understand the Lord, the prophets. Well, when, when, when Daddy was asking for toys, but they would tell, they would tell me toys, they would go and say, they're not hearing you. We have to buy food for the house. I'm talking about toys. But now, toys are coming your way, and you are not appreciating because you don't understand what Daddy went through. That's why the church is messing up a lot. Amen. Now, the truth is that the natural man, but the lesson we so that's why we need to understand love from this perspective. And the law of love in the Old Testament was based on man's inability. The law of love in the New Testament is based on God's ability. Are you getting what I'm saying? The law of love in the Old Testament was based on man's inability. The law of love in the New Testament is based on God's ability. So man had to, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. But in the New Testament, it is for God's love of the world. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so the reason why most of the time we don't appreciate this love of God is because we don't understand what they did in the Old Testament. And that's why we have to really understand it better and then appreciate this one. Amen. Like somebody said, sometimes uh, it's good for a woman to, to check to test another husband so she knows how good her husband was. When you look at what um, is happening in some of the nations of the earth, oh, when some of them were crying for change, 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 change. And when they came to when they gave them change, they gave them change and took the big money. You know, but right now, they give the big money and, and collect change. But this time around, they gave them change, took the big money, and they changed the change, and now they are saying, man, give us, give us back what we have, and they said, no, you can't have it. I get what I'm saying? Because sometimes we don't appreciate what we have. Because we don't understand the Lord. Amen. Now, the truth, let's understand some truths. Number one, the natural man cannot love God because God is love. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Natural man cannot love God because God is love. And the natural man is not love. 3 John 4 verse 8, he says, for God is love. Now, God is love. He is the very existence of love. He is the very personality of God. Of love, sorry. He is love personified. God does not actually... Uh, um, let me use the word, give us love. He actually gives us himself. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. God does not include the love of us. He actually gives us himself. Now, so God is love. All there is to love is God. We've said it again and again. How the Greek never believed that God can love. That's why they didn't have the word that power. So all there is to God, love is God. God is the, God is the only one. He is the only one that has love. He's the only love. Let me say what is the only love. He's the only one that can give himself. That's why for God's love that he gave his only love himself. He's the only one that can give himself. He's the only love that can give himself. Are you getting what I'm saying? Why man, the natural man, cannot love? Why? Because he's not love. You cannot give what you don't have, number one, and you cannot give who you are not. Are you getting me? God gives love because he's love. The natural man is not love, so he cannot give love. Are you getting it? Praise God forevermore. So that's the first thing we need to understand. This is going to help us build a lot. Because most of the times, all of us are demanding so much from people around us and we don't understand the problem where it lies. 
Are you getting it? Number two, the new creation can only reciprocate God's love given to him. First John 4 verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Now, the natural man cannot love. That's the first thing to understand. The natural man cannot love. Then the new creation can only reciprocate God's love. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Like we said, First John 4 verse 19, We love him because he first loved us. So now, because God gave himself to us, Bible says, uh, God commanded his love towards us, even that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For John 3 says, For God's love to one that he gave himself to us, so that we may teach you not by the man of the last night. Now, so God gave himself to us, like he gave himself to us, he gave love to us. Now, so when before he gave love to us, we were what? We were sinners. And as sinners, we were unable, we, we don't want to call it, we were that is what? Hatred personified. The opposite of love, which is fear and hatred personified. And you get what I'm saying? Now, but God gives, gave his love to us, and by giving his love to us, we receive his love. It is not us loving still. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. That means what it is not our love, it is his love. Same way faith is not our faith. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. It is God's faith, it's not our own, it's his own. He gives it to us, and we now use that his faith to trust him. That if you try to use your faith to trust God, you won't do nothing. If you try to use your 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 your, your philos, your um, um, eros to, to love, you won't love nothing. That's the reason why we have people today that they only have what they call um, friendship love, brotherly love, and erotic love. You do for me, I do for you. Yeah, you fall in love, you fall out of love, and um, like my elder sister said, said, if you fall in love, you break your leg because you fell. Amen. But as people fall in love and fall out of love, you see people do for me, I do for you. Uh, I give you something so that you give me return. And you know what I'm saying? He said, I love him, he loves me. So because he loves me, you see, all those things are just understanding of the fact that we don't know, we don't have love as natural human beings. And then when we become new creations, the love that we now have is not even our own. And the God said, he said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but the life and I live, I live through him. Are you getting what I'm saying? He didn't say my life and I live, no, no, he said the life and I live. That means this life is not my own rule. It is the life and who has said, it is through him who gave himself for me. So we must understand, and I was going to say, what do you have that you have not received? And he said, and if you have received what you have, then why do you boast as though you had it of yourself? So the, the best way to live a Christian life is to understand that we all want to be only receivers. Yes. With the receiver's mentality, we can give effectively. Are you getting me? So the new creation reciprocates God's own love, God's love in him. So what is he doing? As a receiver, his word reciprocating what the giver has given to him back and it's not hard. It's only with this mentality you can say, Lord, I love you. <laughs> but without this mentality, you don't want you to say, Lord, I love you. It's only with this understanding that we can love God and we can love humanity. Bible says we love because he first loved us. That is, it's his love in us that we now use to love. But if we don't have this understanding, we can't love nothing. We will only be erotic people, philanthropic people, Philadelphia people. Are you getting what I'm saying? And you know the problem with such kind of laws is that they are highly emotional. 
not rational, either principled. I heard him say, family is everything. It's a good ideology. But Jesus says something, he said that the friend that's taken closer than the brother. What does that make us understand? That there's a level you get to in life where you have people that are. Jesus told them, he said, uh, who is my, they said, your, your brethren said, you said, who are my brethren? Who is my father my mother? Who are my brethren? He said, these ones, all those that do the will of the Lord, my father. It makes us understand that there's a level you get to in life where even blood will become what? They say blood is thicker than water. But you get to a point in your in, in life where even blood will not be lighter than water. And then the blood that will not be thicker than water for you will be the blood of Jesus, where he will bring people that you don't know to be family to you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. But if you are going to live your life and say, I'm only going to walk with Philadelphia or philanthropy, in other words, it's going to be only my family members are going to have anything to do with, then you're going to have a problem when that time comes. Why? Because at that point, you will be so emotionally tied that you cannot receive the other power of God. Are you getting me? Yes. Because at that point, God will bring people that will love you that don't know you from anywhere. They are not family, they are not friends, they are not related, they are not tribe, nothing, nothing. But they are just members of the body of Christ and they will love you. If you are not open to the love of God, if you don't understand the revelation of the love of God, when those kind of people come, you will not receive the love because you still be looking up for Philadelphia or Philandros. Are you not saying? Yes. And even when it comes to Eros also, if all that governs you is erotic love, where people bring pure other power for you, you still have a problem simply because all you're looking for is if there's no errors, it is not love. Have you not seen people that if there is no sense, if, if, has no, if, if, if she doesn't give you sense, that means she doesn't love you. It's a, it's, a, it's a mental issue that is as a result of what this person has been so used to errors. That without errors, there is no love. But the truth is that errors is not even love. Are you know what I'm saying? Love does not seek to take. Love actually seeks to what? Give. Love can give and give and give and give and give and give and not expect anything in return. Yes. And you know what I'm saying? Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. And then the next thirteen was my science that the new creation is the next manifestation of the love of God after Jesus and it. So I'm going to be ending the uh, the hours. Topic on the last week. Um, I'm going to conclude what was there last week. I'm going to be closing quick because Congress is starting tomorrow. Amen. Alright. So the new creation is the next manifestation of the love of God after Jesus Christ. First John for myself. They say, Here is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. Here is our love made perfect. This is the way our love is made perfect. That is, if the any other way, our love is not perfect. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting me? This is the only way our love is made perfect. And what is our love here? It's not the love in us, it is God's love in us. Now that means God's love in us can also be made imperfect. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's the challenge we're having today. You see, um, somebody asked uh, a pastor when she was taking us somewhere, she said, I didn't teach Christians. And you see that they, 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 they're in church, but they're in church like they're not in church. And some of them have left maybe a denomination because they were hurt. Uh, because they say they are not genuine Christian. Now, uh, we know that in, when you come together, you must hurt each other. 
Amen. Because of our levels of maturity. Uh, because of our levels of maturity, we must hurt each other. But uh, I believe that as we mature more, there's some kind of hurt we should not be giving. For example, I don't expect that a mature born again child of God should want to kill another brother. But I don't expect that. I don't expect that. You can be angry with me. You can offend me with me. But I don't expect you to want to kill another brother. I don't expect that a, a born again a born again new creature will want to exploit a fellow brother to the extent that he will want to keep that one. I want to take your money, and if I cannot take your money, I will tweet the name of the chicken because of it. I will keep you with your money. That's not what they That's not what they at all. Number two, it's not, it's not a new creature. Number three, he's not growing at all. Because if you are growing, if you are born again, you preach and you are growing, there's some things that happen because then those things not be mentioned among you. There are things that should not be mentioned among you. See, that's the problem we are having. I'm not after crowd because I, I, I can't manage a crowd where all manner of nonsense is mentioned among them. Where on Sunday we love ourselves, on Monday we kill ourselves in business world. I cannot say. But whereas our cousins, they love themselves when they go to pray. And when they come out to pray, they love themselves. And Pastor we were in between two of them a while ago. And we don't know how easy. I'll call police for you. In fact, if, if my brother stop me from calling police, in fact, if I, I will love you, he says, you have your mother. I see the, the world, both of them are shouting. We're trying to settle them. We're shouting. They're shouting. And then on the two of us carried our legs. We told you we sort yourself out. At the end of the day, they sort themselves out. But they now want to call and say, Pastor, as we are going to say, Pastor, I'm sorry for, for the way I got angry, I will understand, don't worry. Then they now want to call me and say, Pastor, I have sorted him out to, I've done two of his job for him. I was like, it's, 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 it's painful to see that. Our bosses know how to sort themselves out. But we, who we'll fight and fight and fight and fight till we end the police station. Then for police station, we'll continue the fight till we end in court. Then in court, we'll continue the side. Then the some of us we end on the other side of life. Uh, uh, what, uh, the pastor was telling the story about a church like that that we're fighting over the leadership. They fought and fought and fought and fought and fought until they took a matter to court. Pastors who were fighting over the leadership of the church. And then they took it to court. It was our cousin who all of our cousins that was the church. And they looked at them and said, You. You pastors, you come and sit in my court for me to judge your matter. Are you not the ones who have to be judging matters here? Yeah? Say, will you get out of my court now? Go and settle your matter. But it's amazing that a pastor will want to stay from another pastor. He will want to stay from another pastor. I mean, pastor to pastor. He will want to stay and stay and stay till they take it to court. As we have in this place. When it comes to money, they drop ministry, they drop Christianity, they drop office, they drop title, they drop everything that they have to do and they say, we become unbelievers. Money makes us unbelievers. Money makes us equal with unbelievers. That's what money does to people here. Is easy, is how he, he walked the face, how he walked when he walked the face of the earth. 
able to, he, his love manifested, his kindness manifested, his compassion manifested. His, his gentle, his every, every perfection of the Father manifested. As he is, that's the way we are here on earth. So if we are composite of that, that means the love of God in us is not even perfect. That is heavenly business we are meant to be as he is. In career, we are meant to be as he is. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, I thank God for the love of God. Most of us know how to, how to say, how to keep confessing the love of God. But is it which father here we have a child who we keep collecting and collecting all through primary school, secondary school, university, and at the end of the day, when it's time for him to stabilize himself and start living his life, he says, Daddy, now you have to start training my dad. You have to get married for me. Okay, so okay, I'm married because of the economy I will support you. No problem. And after I get married, I'm asking Daddy now, I'm giving birth to you. have to start uh, uh, discharging my wife from hospital and start buying baby food, start doing everything you did when you gave it. Which one are you having that? And I pray like me. He starts it. He gives it to one, two, three, four, five. And all he does is go out and get a bank and come back. And then, Daddy, how are you? Daddy, I'm fine. Daddy, I just love you. You're such a loving father. That's all that you are loving, that you are loving, you are loving. See how you took care of me. Then you are taking care of my children. Oh, daddy, I'll give you to five. I want to add ten more, daddy. I, I, you are such a loving father. But daddy, don't forget something. After this one's give birth to, after this one's, when this one's grow, you train them to university, daddy. When they grow, they give birth, you continue training. The father will say, ah, if it's that one, I'll be that before you have to die time. I hear what I'm saying. And that's where Christians are. We, we, we just want God to babysit us and babysit the next ones after us. And even our so-called discipleship is raising more babysitted people to be babysat. That's, that's the problem we have today. Because what brought us to church is seeker sensitivity, medical science among us. And then we now go and bring people with flyer and say, come and get medical. Come and get science. So what is that? God is still babysitting us. And we're going to bring another generation of people to be babysat. And then that generation will come bring another generation of people. So we have 20 generations of babies to be babysat. Nobody is growing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Nobody is growing. And we're talking about 20 generations of people that are not growing. And the next generation has over the battle of babysitting to the next generation. The next generation has over the battle to the next generation. And then we have a generation line of people that are growing. The law of God is perfect in us. But how can we know that he is perfect on earth? As he is, so are we. We are manifesting him on earth. That shows that his love is perfect in us. Are you not something people don't see your intentions people only see your actions and let me tell you there are people that will never follow your Jesus until they see your actions yeah so love is made perfect when we are manifesting Jesus here on it his compassion his patience his temperance his love but so long as we are manifesting our carnal tendencies on earth, our love is not being perfect. You know what I'm saying? And what we have in church today is a lot of carnal people who have refused to make the love of God perfect. 
We are still crying. See, Christianity is not a problem of the world. Immature Christians are the problem of the world. Yes. The faith in itself is perfect. The faith in itself is a mature faith. The faith in itself is a faith that, that brings progress to every economy, that brings about um, uh, uh, economic development, scientific development, uh, discoveries. It brings about progress to societies and, and nations and economies. But when the people refuse to mature, they bring about what? Retrogression to the people. The worst thing to deal with is an immature Christian. And you know what I'm saying? The most dangerous thing to deal with is an immature Christian. Because you know why? It carries the pharisaical spirit. They are, they are hypocritical. And they can, they can remove this back in your eye. But their big log is in their eye. They are carrying for 20 years. So the most dangerous thing to deal with is an immature Christian. And the worst most dangerous thing to deal with is, a, is a religious Christian. When you have a religious environment with Christians that are not mature, you have a disaster. They are the ones that fanaticism can take hold of. They are the ones that tribalism can hold. They are the ones that nepotism can hold. They are the ones that politics can hold. They are the ones that immorality can hold. They are the ones that 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 nationality difference can also. When you have a religious, that's why if you go to religious environment, this is my second mission field. I wrote the first one. When I was checking out the first one, when we were about going, I was like, let me set up what they are about. And they said, it is 90% Catholic. I'm like, wow, okay. And it's Christianity. When I called the pastor, I told him I was going, I said, is he a Christian environment? And I said, yes, sir. And I said, and he said, okay. So we're both fine. And it's the ministry of going to be a lot more easier for you. But I'm telling you from experience, it's better to go to a environment. I'm telling you, show go environment, I'm at your environment. Where you don't see the problem that you do the worship. Then you bring Jesus. You just enter like Thomas. And you use power to, to arrange them. Are you going to say? Or it's better to enter the battle of any and worship in the temple and the right of the temple to no God. It's better. It's also the best environment to work with Come on. You don't receive the right to for the to be ministering through you. For you to understand, for you to 
for do you know whether I even prepared before I came to the altar? You know it was on the spot that I got it. I said, go and teach John 3.16. That's the kind of, that's what religious environment do to you. Teach John 3.16. If you have not even made to teach, it's complicated what I'm teaching you. So it's better to go to, to be like Thomas that went to India. Or to be like Paul that went to the Gentiles and he saw to an unknown God. It's better to go to this world than to go to the place that he says Catholic. When I saw the Catholicized place, I knew that it's better to go to where they said the And then the next one was, oh, very they are Christians, Pentecostal. You see that the pastors on the left, Pentecostal, Pentecostal. But we don't come now. But the religion slap here, this is. Pentecostal, Chinese people here. I don't know to somebody who knows I say, I say, people are not serious. But people are not serious. Someone in the office, I was talking about what doing that. It's true, it's true. I say it's true. It's true. They'll tell you it's true. They'll tell you it's true. We, we are not serious. We, we are not serious. They'll tell you it's true. We, uh, we, we, are, we know they try to say, people stink, just selfish people. Now they give nothing. Say it's true. We know they give no sense. So I say, I was at a hit straight. Say it's true, it's true. And they know it's true. The spirit of religion does what? It blindfolds you to stay with a lie. And accept the lie as your what? Status quo. I can change. That's where I am. So our Lord is made manifest when we manifest Jesus. When, when we become the Jesus that we see. Now, first of all, was Jesus an emotional person? No. I'll give an example. The woman who needed her daughter to be healed. Jesus told her, How will I give the bread that belongs to children to dogs? Now, some people feel that Jesus is something that will actually give insult her. It is just the same way David called God, he didn't insult him. Actually, the Jews, they called the Gentiles dogs then. I get what I'm saying. It was a normal way of addressing them. Dogs, low life dogs. So Jesus did not actually so that he was actually calling her what they call them. I am saying. And she knew that Jesus did not insult her. She knew that Jesus was calling her their, their way of addressing her. So he said, Yes, I agree. I agree. You are right. I am a dog. But you know what? Even the dogs, the dogs, these dogs are normal. They eat from the crumbs and Jesus said, ah, this one, your level is too much. This one, I'm going to, I'm going to answer you because your faith has gone beyond reason. Are you getting what I'm saying? Even if it's a be emotional, is it because I'm a dog? Is it because I'm a dog? Am I the one that created myself to be a Gentile? I don't like, I don't like the way Jesus is talking. <laughs> See the way he's talking. Pastor, see the pastor is talking. See the way he's talking. Look, look at the way he's talking. But see the talking in the way other Jews are talking. He has to be different from, I never understand, doing the story of Jesus. I discovered that Jesus was the hardcore Judas. He wore the, 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 the cloak, the, uh, what do you call it, the Jewish cloak that had the hair. So he was the hardcore Judas. He was a man who Jesus studied the Torah. That's why he could deal with the Pharisees with the same word, Torah. 
and the scribes, the scribes were the writers of the Torah. So they are reading it over time, over years, and they are reading to say that when you write something and read, like they tell us when you are reading, write. Why? Because when you read and write and read and write and read and what happens that it consists to memory. So these guys have written have written the Torah to say that they have memorized Torah. So he in order for him to deal with them, he had to match them with the same Torah. So it was a heavy practicing Judaism. But he practicing Judaism with the revelation of who he is. He was a Jew to the core. Now, during the study, I discovered that when he fed the 5,000, I did a study and I saw that when he fed the 5,000, when he asked for the five loaves and two fishes, that there was actually, it was a far location, a far location from city. Remember, he told them, uh, he told uh, uh, the, the disciples that if I let them to go, these guys would die. <laughs> they would just straight on the road. Because it was far from the city and he was teaching all day. Now, did a study and I discovered that there was actually a bakery close to that place. But it was a Gentile bakery. So as a practicing Judith, as a practicing Jew, he even refused to buy bread <laughs> from a Gentile bakery. So he was, he was hard for Judith. I said, why, why is he behaving like a Jew? Is he not the, is he not the son of God? He's only different from the Jew. Why is he behaving like a Jew? That's what some of us are going to say. But that day you understood that I have to remove sentiments from this matter. I need my daughter to be here. And Jesus understood that this lady does not work with sentiments. God does not work with sentiments. He doesn't work with emotions. He works with what? His principles. It's as simple as that. And Jesus met her the point of her name because she went beyond emotions. And you know what I'm saying? And for us to, for us to manifest the love of God, we must, we must manifest it in a way that people will see God. Because if you don't manifest the love of God, the love of God is not yet made perfect to humanity. Are you know what I'm saying? It is perfect in us, but it's not perfect in us. And let me tell you something. If all that God did was to get us saved so we can go to heaven, if the purpose of the death of Jesus was an escape route to heaven, then there will be no need for us to keep living after we get born again. Are you know what I'm saying? And Christian life as if the death and resurrection of Jesus was an escape route from earth to heaven. No. He left us here so we can do or so we can mature. And what is maturity? Maturity is the manifestation of the love of God. That's all. He left us here so that many can see the light of God's love and they can call. If, he, if there is no need for us to win souls, he would have got mercy and sent us straight to heaven. We are here because we have to win so simple. We are not here to trade. Life is not a market for the new creation. Life is a catchment point for the new creation. Life is not a market for the new creation. Life is an ocean where we throw our nets and catch fishes for Jesus. We catch it with our career. We catch it with our profession. We catch it with our business. We catch it with our everything we do. We have to catch souls for Jesus. Are you not saying? And the only way we do it is by what? The love of God made perfect in us. And then the next thing we to understand is that the proof that we love God first and ourselves next is that we love the brethren. This is how we know that we are passed from death to life. It doesn't end with you loving yourself next. Love God first, love yourself. It doesn't end with loving yourself next. Most of us are ended in loving ourselves next. Are you getting what I'm saying? The actual proof that we love God first, because when we love God first, the next thing that we must love ourselves. You don't pray to love yourself. When you have love God, you don't pray to love yourself. It flows. 
yourself. Amen. It flows. It's, it's natural. It's just a flow. It's a sequence. You just love yourself when you when you love God first. And the proof that we have loved God first and we love ourselves next is that what? We love the brethren. First John 3 verse 14 says, We know that we are passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in what? Death. And this way comes in also. One of the problems is that we see that um, our cousins, both in the place of meeting and in the place of business, they love themselves. Um, but we, we claim to love ourselves in the place of meeting, but we, when we get out of meeting, we don't love ourselves. The proof that you love God and you love yourself is that you love the brethren. And I mean the brethren, I mean the body, not based on denomination. Some of us love our denominations, but we don't love the body. Yeah. We love the denomination, but the body is a member of my church. I don't understand where we go that if that's cliche from my church. My church is a member of my church. It's a member of my church. And um, are you a this? Some of us are not giving time. Are you a this? I love it when I see, and I see um, people say, if you are a this, can I get a response? And he said they need response. And, and I'm like, what are we doing to ourselves? These are the divisions that are propping up by the day. Are you getting know what I'm saying? These are the things that are dividing us. And you say, if I meet a this, and I meet a that, and a this and a that come for John, I'd rather give a this because he's my church member than give a that because he's not my church member. I know the funny thing. When you look at our causes, when they build their meeting centers, you discover that there's no name on it. It's a general name that it is that also. And that generality in that name is what makes them work as one. But you see, we have got to denomination. And denomination is not a problem, actually. Denomination is God's way of identifying our individual uniqueness. Are you getting what I'm saying? And meeting our individual uniqueness. Um, your experience determines your audience, your life determines your crown. We are all individual. And see, God is a God of, is a dynamic God, is a God of uh, diversity, and is a God of uniqueness. God relates to us on the grounds of our uniqueness and our dynamic nature. Are we together? And that's the purpose for you know the denomination because there's a way I behave, there's a way uh, I reflect God that you may not go down your way. Are you getting what I'm saying? Like somebody says, and they said, the reason why we have different denominations is that um, Bible says no matter about what was, I said, man, that was inexcusable. Is that possible? And so that nobody will have excuse on that day. Why? You say, I don't like the denomination where they are wearing trousers. There's one where they wear skirts. Go there. You say, okay, I don't like the one where they wear skirts alone. Like the one where they wear skirts and tie hair. There's one that they wear skirts and tie hair. Go there. See, I don't like the one that they shout when they are preaching. I like the one when they talk softly. There's one that they talk softly. Go there. Okay, I don't like the one that there are people of this tribe. I like the one that there are people of that. There's the one that there are people of that tribe. Each tribe is your problem. Because, you see, it's only in Christianity that we have different problems. We are not, we are the ones that become the problem. Go there. That's why I don't have a problem with people. I say, God will not come to preach to everybody. Everybody. The Lord told me in some years ago, so your experience determines your audience. 
and your light determines your crown. That's what the Lord told me. And I cannot forget that. So until the people that their experiences begin to match with mine, come in the movie. <laughs> and until those that their life matches with mine, come in the So that's why I'm taking my time. And it's not easy, but I'm waiting. But there's a who that are still going through what I'm going through. <laughs> so when their head corrects, and it's time for them to meet up with somebody that has gone through, then they can come and sit down. Are you getting me? And that's the diversity of denominations, is experiences and lives. That's all. And that's where even you see doctrinal teachings come out from. That's how our basis is not that very doctrine, is Jesus. Because these are different lenses with which we have used to view the Bible. And denominationalism is not a destruction to the body. It's actually God trying to communicate to everybody at their level of reasoning. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what God is all about. God trying to God communicate everybody at their level of reasoning. This is how you feel. I don't have a problem with you. There are people who don't believe in speaking in tongues. God does not have a problem with them. Even the Holy Spirit himself does not have a problem with them. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's their lens. And God will not say, I will break your lens and break you because you don't see where. No. So long as you are seen at all, let's keep walking together. There are people who don't believe in miracles. God does not have you. What is it? You have a problem with them. No. It's your lens. Are you getting me? It's your lens. But God is comfortable. He's happy. You see, the most important thing is that they believe in the Lord Jesus, that he died and resurrected. And they believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. They believe that the, they believe that, that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. Is one, sorry. The Father, God is fine. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why it's wrong for you to try to use your doctrine to oppress somebody else, or for you to use your belief as a basis of judgment of another person. But the Lord said, "We know it past and we see it in That's why it's wrong to use your doctrine as a basis of judgment for another person. No. As some people they say, someone was talking and they said, he, he, he said something and people were angry with him and he told one of you, you are a fool. He's like, what's all this? He said, you are a fool. He said, I'm not insulting you, that's who you are. Poor God, the Galatians, so good together. But my person, what the Galatians were talking about is it what you are talking about. And who even gave you the right to even call somebody a fool? Poor God, three quarters of you said, what have you written? That you have got we can say poor even if, if let's give him a little um, um, he has a little right to call people fool. Are you getting me? But you what have you written that you are calling people fool? Have you said your father said your, your father have you finished getting everybody to save your families? Let me know your, your street or your village. You don't write to anybody fool. So the nominations were given for God were God's way of getting everybody. As much as he can get, get them on the grounds of the lens. Are you getting what I'm saying? But you notice that over time, when people begin to mature, they begin to go beyond innovations. They begin to go beyond doctrine. They begin to go beyond doctrine. Because one thing I've accepted in life is that doctrine is man's lens and dreams God's word. That's what I've accepted about doctrines. The only thing you can teach me that will accept you is when you start teaching me the words of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Once we are talking about that, we are fine. We are fine. 
When you start going into some doctrines, some teachings, I may have a problem with you. I you know what I'm saying? But it doesn't mean that I, I will not accept you as my brother or as my sister. I you know what I'm saying? These things are not meant to divide us, actually. They are meant to unite us. They are meant to, because, see, with this approach, God can win more people. Are you getting me? God can win more people, but our immaturity is what makes us do what? Is what makes us use these things as a basis to what? To fight, to divide each other. The proof that we love God and we love ourselves is that what? We love the brethren. The unity of faith is not the absence of the, uh, uh, disagreement. The unity of faith is not the absence of disagreement. It's the ability to do what? To still work together despite our varied opinions. That's unity of faith. This way we view um, 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 scriptures, this way I view scripture. But let's ask a question now. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that he died and resurrected from the dead? He died for our sins and arose for our justification. Do you believe that we are saved by Jesus and Jesus alone? Do you believe that, that um, um, the Holy Spirit is God? Once you believe those things, my brother, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what we are saying. That it doesn't matter. Are you what I'm saying? Mm. Because over time, we all arrange, we all align. We finally align. We finally align. We finally align. And we have a responsibility to love one another. It's a responsibility. It's not a choice, in quote. It's a responsibility we have to carry out. Because until we begin to carry this responsibility, the church will not come to the unity of faith that God has in store for us. And that's the heart cry of the Father. Love the Lord. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Why? And that is the only proof that we are what? We are passed from death unto life. And that the proof that you are born again is that you love the brethren. <laughs> so if you don't love the brethren, it actually proves that you are not what? Simple. It's as simple as Some of us, don't, some of us we take some part of the Bible. See, one of the problems we have with a lot of Christians is that a lot of teachers that we take some part of the Bible, we take some part of the Pauline epistles. And we drop some. Where Paul was saying, I hear among you that some of you are committing abominable things. A mass treatment is for that, and we don't take that. We say, No, 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 we don't preach that person all the time. And we have some members in church that are not as well as left them with the devil. But I don't understand why we select some part of Paul's writings and leave some part. What is it? Are we even selecting gospel? We are supposed to be preaching the all inclusive Christ, the all inclusive gospel. Souls to be saved. But that's it, brethren. Yeah. And this is as learning that some of us are just taking only some part of John's writings, take some part of Paul, just just oppose the thing, do some drama like some, some mixture and that will come out with something sweet and both are excited, getting excited. And little one that was talking about 
And these people prove the word, and he began to say the Greek word for the proof, and I was like, ah, my brother, is it not the same Greek that all of us are reading? Are, are you reading a different Greek? Are, are you know something? When he was saying the different explanations for the word reproof, I'm like, hey, hey, what? Is it not the same Greek? You use Greek, I use Greek too. Is it not the same Greek? Why are we making this Greek look as if this Greek has different Greeks? <laughs> anyway, that's the problem. That's why sometimes I don't just only use the Greek, I will carry the other translations too. Yeah! Because if you want to say you are using a Greek um, philosopher, at least I know that thing happens to be one of the best. There was another guy that Joseph um, Prince talked about as he's one of the best too. But he strong uses Taylor and strong. I know that they are one of the best. And when you look at their definition, you can get a good um, meaning to the Greek. So okay, if you say that we are using different Greek, maybe you are using another Greek philosopher or Greek. Theology. Okay, let's go into that translation so compared to uh, so that we have a balance. You better be talking in Greek as if it's not the Greek we are using too. We are using it. Let's not be as if we want to use some special Greek. But is it the Greek that Jesus used? Jesus never used Greek. Is that what Mike used? So what's the problem? Huh? What's the problem? It's Paul that used Greek. Amen. Praise God. That's so the proof of being born again is that we love the brethren. So what does that mean? It means that many of us who are claiming to be born again are not actually born again. Yeah. The Bible that says, says we know that we are passed from death. From like passed from death means we are passed from uh, um, the depraved man into what? The new creation. Why? Because we love the brethren. The, how do we know we, we are passed? Because of our love for the brethren. That means if we don't love the brethren, it means that we are actually not passed through. We are still in death, but we are claiming to be in life. So, in quotes, many people are claiming to be born again, actually not born again. They tell you they believe in Jesus and the spiritual, but you look at them and they hate the brethren. You see, when we take some part of, you see, when we are taking some part of Paul and Jesus, let's see married with Jesus' sins. Don't they say that what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote is good testament? And if it's Jesus that said it, I prefer to quote his Old Testament. <laughs> and yes, I, I like his Old Testament. Let me quote it. Are you getting me? Leave him with his Old Testament and carry your Acts to Revelation and go. But leave him with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the final debate. When we say we believe in the Lord Jesus and every of that, that we are, uh, uh, and every of that we are saved, and every of that. But Jesus also says, many shall say, Lord, Lord. And I'll say what? He said, what shall I say? I'm not that he wants the name. I hate this guy. And I saw the part of me, what? You walk up and by what? I knew not. Why would he say such a thing? Because an example of this is this. You hate the brethren. Or you are claiming to have passed from death, from life to death. The proof that you have passed is the love for the brethren. And we have to keep this in our hearts. The fact that we don't agree on an issue does not mean that we don't love each other. Love is bigger than our emotions. Love is bigger than our feelings. Love is bigger than our ideology. Love is an equalizer. So even when I am not agreeing with you, I can still love you. Even when I don't feel right for you, I can still love you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Even when I don't think I'm not happy with you, I can still what? 
Love. Love is not based on our feelings and our emotions. Love is bigger than our feelings and our emotions. Are you know what I'm saying? As I tells me, husband, love your wife. But because he knows that if we are moved by emotions, we will never love. As I said, we will never love. As some things that happen that you never want to love. But you just have to love because you are not meant to work on what emotions. That's why it says, the proof that we are born again is our what we love bread. If you look at the way bread, the bread behave. If you look at the way the bread behave, you will never love the bread. I'm telling you the truth. You will never love the bread. But what do you do? You love because you are what? Of God. I, I remember um, there's a particular matter. It's, it's between us and a, a pastor per se. And I began to pray and pray when I say, God, see, this matter is brethren's matter. Okay, God, how you judge this person is your business. Just give me what is in my own hands. Are you getting what I'm saying? But I will not put my mouth to pray judgmental prayer for your brethren. Are you getting it? It's only when I know I'm dealing with an unbeliever. Uh -huh. Then I can answer releasing some missiles. But if it's a brethren, I will ask God for what is mine. Are you getting it? Then how God will deal with the person is up to God. Because my responsibility is to what? Is to love the brethren. Amen. So the Holy Spirit reveals our rights to love God first, before self, and then the brethren. And this enables us to what? Love the brethren. That's why the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Until we love God first, we cannot go out to love ourselves. And until we love ourselves, we cannot know how to love the brethren. Now, the simple way to love the brethren is put yourself on the receiving side. That's the simple way. We don't like them to treat me like this. We don't like, we like, we, we like. I remember uh, when we came and we got the first land we got and the circular values happened. There's something that the, the, the brother said. He said, I will not stand in the way of God. That's the only person that I can see called a person of this country that I can trust. Aside from there's another person that I can trust. He said, I will not stand in the way of God. I've never seen, I told him the last moment, I said, I've not seen another like you. Since I've been here for you, I've not seen another like you. He said, I will not stand in the way of God. Well, I'm talking about dealing with a person who has made up the mind to stand in the way of God. And I I've seen them who say, who stand in the way of God, who, who fight you and God. The last ones who said oh, we're not genuine, he said they will deal with us. He said no matter. Who knows us? Who knows everything they have there? It has created them away. Who are you to tell me that man of God is genuine or not? And you now determine he hated us with the passion for no reason. And today he's not staying there any longer. And God is sick with us. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He said, I will not stand in the way of God. Put yourself on the receiving end. If somebody can choose to make his pastor willless, uh -uh, where is the love? You are not a brethren. You are not a believer. Are you not a you, you are not a believer. If somebody can choose to make a fellow pastor homeless, you are not a brethren. You are not a believer. I will take that as a brethren and not pray fire prayer for you. Because all I want is what is in my hand. But when God is judge, you will not judge as a believer because you have not treated your brethren right. Put yourself on the receiving end. If you love yourself, you actually love others. Is that why very Christians get into politics as problem? Because they were not actually trapped, they, they, they are not actually passed from death unto life before. They were claiming to have passed. 
So as they went into power, power divides the world. The truth that they are not past reveal itself. And it's not getting like the devils who they are. Now we have a problem voting in Christian self. The last time we voted in, we don't know what we voted. We don't know what we voted. So we have a problem voting in. Yeah. Because they have not passed anything. They are still in debt. They are claiming to have passed. Put yourself on the receiving end. And the only way you can do that is when you love God. Why? Because Christ died for us. He put himself on the receiving end. He was a substitute. By being a substitute, he received our punishment. So he can love us. That's the need to get to love a brother. When you can behave like Christ, put yourself on the receiving end. You will love. You will love. You do not need to teach how to love. Like uh, I was talking to the pastor, I said, see, we need to teach them, we need to teach how to love. He told me, you love their loving God, who taught you? The one that loves is small, who taught you? Counsel me, I'm this kind of man that I don't know. I'm not very intelligent. So you need to teach me one, 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 if I'm there. You know, so I always use that approach to his teaching. So I want to teach one, 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 one. I said, see, you need to teach people how to love God. He said, which you told that love God? The one that loves God, who taught you? Who taught you? And if you learn, put yourself, simple, put yourself on this name. Take my place. Jesus came to take my place. Let me take your place and see how you like it to be done. Hey. But we don't want to take our place. We want to be at best. Let us that we are passed from death unto life. Is that we can take Jesus' place. And that's what the Holy Spirit came to repeat to us. He gave us that right, He gave us that responsibility. Take each other's place. That's why the Bible says, Be ye one another's body. Take your place. If you take each other's place, you know how to treat yourself rightly. Rise up on a few days. This morning we have concluded what we started last week. And um, we'll just go on like this because at the end of the church, we need to be telling ourselves this simple, simple, as simple as it is, we need to tell ourselves so that we, we, we realize who we are. I will walk the way we are meant to walk. I just want to be asking the Lord, Lord, help us carry out this responsibility. Yes, Lord. Help us. Help us. Help us. Help us. Let's open our hearts and pray this morning. Help us to love the Jesus, the Lord and personal Savior. Uh, this is the best decision you can make in life. Only on this grounds we can pass from death to life. So if you want to pray this prayer, I want to encourage you to do it. Just say this words after the Savior Lord Jesus. Uh, I come to you today. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you died and resurrected for me. And I'm coming to you shed your blood to take away my sins. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I make you my Lord and personal Savior. Because you chose me, I choose to save you the days of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for everyone who has prayed this prayer. Thank you for receiving them in your blood. And thank you for granting them the grace to serve and fill the days of our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest.
We believe that you were blessed by this teaching. To listen to more teachings by Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna, please visit Grace Life Kami Podcast today. Send us an email via ministry at gmail.com. For more information about the ministry, kindly visit our website, ministry.org. Grace to you. Jesus is Lord.